You're listening to the One Church GR podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Our church service meets at 1115 a.m. at 8175 Broadmoor Avenue, Caledonia, Michigan. Now, enjoy the message. Hey, if I asked you guys a question, if I asked you, what did you get last year for Christmas? If I asked you that, how many of you would remember what you got last year for Christmas? Any of you? Maybe it was something big, maybe something memorable, but some of the stuff that we got, we probably forgot. And I think uh, for myself, I had a birthday a few weeks ago, and I don't even remember what I got for that. (laughs) But I I remember growing up getting a bunch of stuff. I just cannot kind of tell you what that stuff was, but I know every Christmas I probably got stuff, but somewhere along the line, I completely forgot. So when I look back on Christmas, what I really remember are just glimpses and and memories of that day. I don't recall every part. I just don't remember. But there are memories about Christmas that I hold dear. And and when I think about Christmas, those, those come up in my mind like candlelight services on Christmas Eve over at Pleasant Valley United Brethren Church on M50 as you go into Clarksville. Every Christmas Eve, candlelight service. I remember those. I cherish those. Not being able to sleep as a kid on Christmas Eve, waiting for the next day, like, oh, man, what are we going to get? And then be disappointed because your parents didn't get it. Anybody have that? But one thing I remember is my grandpa and grandma Moat, this would be my dad's dad, they, they would come over every Christmas morning and they would just watch us open gifts. And I, I, I remember... The first Christmas after my grandpa had passed away, I was 19 years old. It was the first time he wasn't there in the morning to watch us open gifts. I remember the emptiness. I remember feeling a little bit sad because of that, because I held those memories so tightly and I cherished those moments with him. And I find myself even now when Christmas comes around, and many of you can relate to this, when you've dealt with leave, uh, grief and loss, trying to remember those memories, trying to remember those moments that you had with them. And I realize now at 46 that it wasn't about the gifts that my grandpa gave me. It was about him. My grandpa was the gift to me. He was a huge influence in my life. He was the one that that kind of pushed me and said, hey, the local church is worth serving. He's the one who loved me. He was the gift and the memories that I have of him. And I think a lot of times when we have that kind of gift, we really don't realize it till later. When they're gone, when that thing is not there anymore, we don't realize it until after we moved on. But it was the gift of him being there. I know I've mentioned this before, and I know uh, during this time that a lot of us deal with grief and loss. Let me just say, we are praying for you. I'm praying for you as we walk through this season. It's always not cheerful and joyful because there is a sense of loss and emptiness that we have to deal with. 
And of course, as we, as we go into this season of Christmas, the, the, the best gift we ever got was Jesus. Jesus was the best gift that you and I ever got. Jesus was the gift that, that, that gave us freedom and salvation. And maybe you're here today and somebody invited you to church and you're like, Adam, I'm not a Christ follower. I'm not really a Jesus follower. But hear me in this, that Jesus is a gift to you as well. God sent his one and only son for you. For you. And God sent his son and he used a young lady. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Last week we talked about uh, what was foretold leading up to Jesus' birth. But today we're going to talk about Mary. Everybody knew who Mary is, right? Mary is Jesus' earthly mother. And God used her and she carried Jesus and gave birth to Jesus, all that stuff. You guys know the story. So just a quick background on Mary. Who is this girl what is she about? Why her? So Mary was born and raised, we believe, in Nazareth. She would have been an early teenager when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, hey, you're going to give birth. She was probably 12 to 14 years old at that time. Uh, in that culture, that's when you would become betrothed, And uh, which I have a 12 and a 15-year-old. I'm like, no, <laughs> no way that's going to happen. <laughs> But why is Mary important to the Christmas story? So that's what we're going to look like. She is the one who got a front row seat to Jesus' birth, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' death and resurrection. Mary is an important part of this story that we call Christmas. And the biggest takeaway I take away from Mary and her story and how she's part of the bigger story is that she had a giant faith. Mary had a giant faith. And here's what I want you to hear this morning is that God does extraordinary with the ordinary. God does the extraordinary with the ordinary. All throughout history or influence, just ordinary people like you and me. And that's who Mary was. That's who Mary was. And the angel Gabriel came to Mary and she's like, hey, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. Not only that, he said, your cousin Elizabeth, who is old and barren and, and, and she can't have kids, she's going to have a kid. So Jesus, using these two women, did extraordinary things with ordinary people. And this is what it says in Luke 1, uh, 36-37. It says, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, this is Gabriel speaking, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her, uh, for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. Let me just say, those of you who are here today and all your kids are growing up, maybe you got grandkids. Y'all want another kid? Y'all want another kid? <laughs> That's what Elizabeth is going through. But God is doing these miracles through these two women. Another great example that I have in my own life about God doing extraordinary things through ordinary people is a, is really about my uh, my uncle Steve and my aunt Bev. Um, so my aunt Bev is my younger the, my dad's younger sister, and they were married in 1974. I think we have a picture of them. They're somewhere. Yep, there they are. That's a sweet suit. Man, look at that. That is sharp right there. <laughs> 
Uh, both of them had graduated from Huntington University in Indiana. Uh, again, just very ordinary people living ordinary lives. But God was going to do something extraordinary with them. In 1977, they felt the call to pack up everything and move halfway across the world. And they took their six-month-old child, Caleb, with them at the time. I think we got a picture of that, too. Look at that. That is stylish right there, man. <laughs> That's blackmail. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, they went to Australia because they felt God was calling them to do this. I guess they're ordinary people. And God said, hey, pack everything up. And for the next 20 years of their life, 20-some years of their life, they went in the outback of Australia to the Walpree people and translated the New Testament of the Bible into their language. So God said, hey, I want you to go. I want you to leave your family, take all your, your kid, and eventually they have four kids, three kids. I don't know what they got. But they, they lived their lives. They did what God called them to do for 20-some years before they retired, and they finished it. They finished the Bible, from which many, many lives were changed forever. Two ordinary people, God said, hey, I want you to go do something extraordinary. I want you to take the next 20-some years, and I want you to translate the New Testament for these people in Australia, for this tribe in Australia. It wasn't glamorous. It was hard work. It wasn't for fame or rich, which is often our motivation when we do things. But God used two very ordinary people to do some extraordinary work for the kingdom of God. They saw many lives changed and their sacrifice and their dedication helped. They got out of their comfort zone. They did what God was calling to do. The same thing with Mary. Is Mary uh, the angel Gabriel, God is calling her to be a part of something huge. She was called. She was chosen. Something greater than herself, right? And something greater than her own plans and her own agenda, the angel Gabriel came to Mary, and she, uh, he said this in Luke 1. I want you to hear this, Luke 1, 30 through 33. It says, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in the womb and bring forth a son, and he shall uh, call, you call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, the Israelites, through the, the Jewish people forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. I love this because I, I read this, and the, the first thing I see is where the angel says, don't be afraid. So if you're minding your own business one day and you're just sitting there and the angel appears, you're probably going to be afraid, right? You're probably going to like, what the heck is going on? First thing he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And Gabriel kind of lays out the plan about what's about to happen with Mary and all this stuff and ever. So he lays that out. And like any good person, Mary has a couple follow-up questions. Okay, okay, I hear you. But the really big question is this when she says it in Luke one thirty four. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Of course, we know Mary was a virgin. Mary was not married, but the angel's saying, hey, you're going to have a kid. And Mary is asking how. How is this possible? She's not been with a man. She's not married. She's a virgin. All of these things. And God is about to do something extraordinary 
with somebody ordinary. And Gabriel was, responds to Mary, and he says this in Luke one thirty five. He says, And the angel answered and said to, to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One is to be born and will be called the Son of God. So he starts to explain it. And he starts to say, God is about to do something miraculous with you. For God is not limited to the laws of man and the laws of nature. This will happen. And when I really felt called to to start a church, to go down this, this road, there were countless hours, days, minutes, where I doubted that this is really God's plan for me. I doubted it. And I, I remember uh, one particular time I said, God, you know, if this is what you want for me and my family and what we're supposed to do, it's going to take a miracle because I don't know if I can do it. And really saying, I don't know if I trust you fully in that. But I remember one day, this was uh, when I was working at Thornapple Valley Church. This was a pre-service meeting, so we're about to have service. And we, we meet in a room, and we're, we're talking. And um, John, who was our technical director at the time, he was limping in. I said, John, what's wrong? He goes, hey, uh, the other day I was walking in a parking lot, rolled my ankle, and broke it. I said, oh, that's horrible. So we're sitting there in the room, and uh, someone says, hey, Brian, can you just pray before we get started? I said, sure, why not? So I start praying, and I thought, uh, as a good boss and a good friend, I would pray for John's ankle. So I start praying for John's ankle, and, you know, God heal his ankle, you know, and we move on. After the meeting, John comes walking up to me. He's like, hey, and this, <laughs> this doesn't happen to me. He said, hey, while you were praying for my ankle, it started getting warm, and the pain started to go away. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, I think my ankle's healed. I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah, I'm walking on it. I don't have any pain. I said, he's like, I don't know. It got really warm and no pain. I was like, that, okay. Okay. So the next day he goes to the doctor. He said, hey, um, I went to the doctor. The doctor said, it's completely healed. Again, this doesn't happen to me. This never happens to me. But what I think God was saying is, you know what? Trust me. I am a God of miracles. I'm a God that can heal. Trust me. For what the angel Gabriel said, for God, there nothing is impossible. Amen? Nothing is impossible. When he could take somebody like me, a screwed up, messed up sinner, and call him to plant a church, and he he said, hey, you know what? I know you're doubting this right now, but I am a God of miracle and a God who provides Trust me. And I knew at that moment God was going to do something extraordinary through someone very ordinary. And I was working on this message as I was praying through it. I really felt God speak to me and ask me a question. And I really felt him say, do you expect the extraordinary from me? Do you expect the unexplainable from me? Or do you expect the ordinary? And I was a little bit convicted because I think all too often in my own life, I only expect God to do ordinary things. But to have the faith, the giant faith that Mary did, 
Expect the extraordinary when it comes to God. Expect the extraordinary. I didn't expect John's ankle to be healed that day, but it was. Expect unexplainable things instead of explainable things. Mary's story is exactly that, something extraordinary, unexplainable. How did a young girl, ordinary girl, who was a virgin about to give birth to the Son of God, and I love this about Mary in this story is because of her attitude and her faith towards all of this going on in that moment. When the angel is telling her, hey, your life is about to change. Your community is about to change. And you're about to hurt the man that you're about to marry, Joseph, because he doesn't understand yet what's going on. All of these things. And Mary says this, and I love this about this story. As Mary says in Luke 138, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So all of these things are about to change in her life. She's going to be shunned from her community because she's pregnant and she's not married. Extreme trust in that moment. When God said, go, this is what I'm calling you to do, she did it. She went. I love that. I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if I could do that. Give up my salary, give up my house, give up my job, my car, my TV, my Netflix. What's the other side of that? Ostracized, looked down upon, hardship, got to ride a donkey, all this stuff. And her response is, okay, I'm your servant. I trust you. I trust you. I love that. I think... If I'm being honest with myself, I become too comfortable. I become too satisfied with the day-to-day that if God said, hey, I'm about to change your life, I need you to go do this, that I would even be willing to take the risk and leave all that behind. But Mary did moved out of her comfort zone because she knew what she was being called to do and what we are called to do to reach a world for Jesus. Reach the world for Jesus. And may we say, I am your servant. May your word be fulfilled through me. When God calls us to do something, to have the courage and the the selflessness and the devotion. May your word be fulfilled through me. And that's what I dare for myself today. That's what I dare for you today. To say, no matter what, I'm going to walk this road because God, you've called me to do it. I'm going to trust you that you're going to take care of it. A few weeks ago, we did a series called Finding Courage. And one of the the messages was all about this, about just letting go 
of all that and doing what God has called us to do. If you missed it, you can listen to the podcast. And then I did a challenge but willing to lay it all down, lay our finances down, lay our agenda, our plan, our self-identity, laying it all down for what God is calling us to do because he can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. I want to do whatever I can to tell the world about Jesus. I want to be willing to go out of my comfort zone to tell somebody who is grieving that it's going to be okay, that Jesus loves them. Somebody that is dealing with addiction to go out of my way and say, you know what? I understand the struggle, but there is hope through Jesus. I want to do extraordinary things through an extraordinary God. And one of those opportunities I think we have is this Christmas concert coming up. Where we can go to somebody, hey, just just come. It's going to be a fun time. I know you got church hurt. I know you've never been to church. Just come and be a part of it. Let them hear that Jesus loves them no matter what. Let them hear about Jesus' grace and his mercy. And then come to Christmas Eve, be a part of that. Because this is about life change. I've said this before multiple times that I do not just want to do church to do church. I want to be a church that sees life change. People make first steps into relationship with God. People taking the step to get baptized, to be discipled, to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. That gets me passionate. To be involved in the local outreach, to be involved in the the world outreach, that we're doing things, that we're being the church. That gets me pumped up. To have faith like Mary and say, your word be fulfilled in me. To tell the world about Jesus. May I have the devotion and the commitment that Mary had. Willing to walk the hard road like Mary did. Does extraordinary things through ordinary people. Amen? Amen. So God, we... we, We thank you for this story of Christmas. We thank you that you sent your one and only son for us. And may we take away today that you used an ordinary girl, a young girl, to play such an awesome role in this story, to show us what real faith looks like, to show us what a real surrendered life looks like, that when you call us to do something, we say yes. We don't cower. We don't run away, God. We, we say, yes, your will be done. May your word be fulfilled through us. So God, give us the courage that Mary had, the determination, the devotion to tell the world about you, about your grace and your mercy, your forgiveness, your redemption. May we be the light in the darkness, God. That is our prayer. That is our prayer. And we love you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, let's say it together. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the One Church GR podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at One Church GR. 
or find us on the web at onechurch.one. Also, our service time is 1115 a.m. at 8175 Broadmoor Avenue, Caledonia, Michigan. Thanks again for listening.